to be preaching about the crossing of the Red Sea. God miraculously making a way for the Israelites to go across the Red Sea on dry ground. They were in a pickle, I believe is the way we say it sometimes. They had the mountains on each side. They had the Red Sea in front of them. And they had the armies, all of the armies of Egypt coming to attack. There was no way out. But God made a way. So we want to help you to be able to understand this story so much better. We are going to let you see live and in color the crossing of the Red Sea. Would my helpers come on up? First of all, we've got to get the Red Sea in place. We've got a beautiful Red Sea. It's blue, but it's a Red Sea. Water's blue, and the sea was the Red Sea. And so, the waters, the wind was blowing some, so the water was kind of splashing around a little bit. And the Israelites were running late. <laughs> all right, all you Israelites, get packed up. It's time to go. The Israelites, you know, they'd been in, out, out of Egypt for a little bit, and they were running a little slow. They were tired and weary. Israelites. <laughs> Communication wasn't that great back in the day. You know, there was probably somewhere around a million of them, maybe more, maybe less. So it took a while to get them all congregated together. And so the Lord said to Moses, Moses actually was the first one down by the water. And Moses headed down by the Red Sea. And Moses came up to the Red Sea, and the rest of the Israelites just stayed where they were just for a moment. But Moses came on up to the Red Sea. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots, and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Then the angel of God who had been leading the people of Israel moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelite camps 
As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry ground. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the Red Sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Yes. into the Red Sea, the water came back together, and they all drowned. Oh, and God showed his glory. Let's give our helpers a big hand. And now you know what it was really like. Wasn't that a great sermon? No, that's not all. <laughs> they did a wonderful, wonderful job. So, just a few days until America's 243 years old. That's very young for a nation. America's a great nation. And I want to reiterate why God has kept this country together. It's hard for us to imagine, you know, a country disappearing but many have over the years the reason God has kept this country together is because we are the greatest nation in the world for spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world and there are thousands and thousands and thousands of missionaries who have left this homeland to go into places all over the world to spread the gospel the assemblies of God has done a tremendous job. Almost 70 million Assemblies of God believers around the world. And every, just to, even under every, every minute that goes by, someone gets saved through the efforts of what the Assemblies of God are doing in America and around the world. But I want to tell you something. There are a lot of other great churches and denominations, and we don't minimize what they're doing at all. So if I ever talk about what's happening through the Assemblies of God, don't ever think that I think that we're the only ones. But there's a lot of great denominations. There's a lot of great missions organizations that have sent people all over the world. There are many people that have gone out on their own and are living and working and laboring. But their main purpose for being there is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's not our great government, even though I think we have a wonderful system of government when you have people that care about people in positions. It's not all that. God put this nation together, not just so we could live in our own personal freedom and have our own personal happiness, even though that's important to God. God put this nation together to be a light to the world, to give the gospel of Jesus Christ to the whole world. And that is happening. It needs to happen more, but it is happening. And so with our patriotism, let's enjoy our patriotism. Let's enjoy our freedom. But let's remember that we're not the only ones that God cares about. God cares about the people of Iran. 
God cares about the people of all of our enemies around the world. He loves those people just as much as he loves us, and he wants them to be saved. So let's keep doing our part as a church, as a great fellowship, the Assemblies of God, and also as a nation to spread this gospel because in the long run and when it all comes down to the end, that's all that's really going to matter. Were we right with God? Are we ready to go to heaven? Let's remember that. Oh, we're going to celebrate our country, but in our hearts, we are citizens of a greater place. And I'm looking forward to that. I am looking forward to that. But I think there's some things that we can see. God blesses the nation who put him, puts him first. And while our main purpose is to spread the gospel around the world, there's a lot of benefits that come that God has given us. And so it's wonderful to see. I've read to you the main scripture today about them crossing the Red Sea. You've seen it live with your own eyes, exactly what happened. I mean, we might have been short 999. We were short a few people, you know, but you can kind of get the idea. But I want us to go back to what I call the beginning of the story. It all started with Abraham, and then came Isaac, and then Jacob, and he had 12 sons who became the patriarchs and the different tribes of Israel. God's plan was to put together a nation. And as I've said recently several times, God put Israel together as a nation not to, to shut out everybody else, but he put Israel together as a nation so that they could be a blessing to the whole world. They were a blessing to the whole world in the sense that we received Jesus through Israel. The whole world is blessed because of that. But God intended for Israel to bless the whole world in many, many other ways. And we know they've fallen short. In the Bible, they fell short. Today, they fall short. But I want to tell you something. They are still a special people. And God loves them. But he also loves all their enemies. He wants the whole world to be blessed. So all of this history is a part of God bringing them together. They were, became slaves. First of all, they were blessed when Joseph was put into a high position in Egypt. And during the famine time, Jacob and his 12 sons and their families all came down to live in Egypt. But the Bible says then later, somebody took power as the Pharaoh who did not know Egypt. And so instead of the Israelites being in Egypt and blessed, they were living in one of the best parts of all of Egypt. Instead of being blessed, this new Pharaoh began to think, hey, these people are having babies like crazy. They're filling up the nursery. They're filling up all the Sunday school classes. Are you getting the hint, young ladies? Are you getting the hint, married young ladies? <laughs> they were growing like crazy, and it caused fear in the heart of Pharaoh and all the leaders of Egypt. So they came together and said, listen, there are getting to be so many of them. We've got to do something about this because if our enemies attack us, the Israelites will join together with our enemies, and we will be overthrown, and we will be defeated. So they put together a plan to make the Israelites into slaves, and they made them into slaves. And they were slaves for hundreds of years in Egypt. But God came down to the place. He knew what was going on the entire time, but God had a plan, and he wanted to get them out of the slavery that they were living in. And also through his whole plan of getting them out of the slavery that they were living in, he wanted to give us an example of how Jesus would later come and get us out of the slavery of sin that all of us have lived in. God wants to set us free. So it kind of started with Jochebed. Oh. I was going to have a question. Does anybody know who Jochebed was? 
All right. We need a little training around here. I know. Don't feel bad if you don't know who that is. It's not a popular name. I mean, you know, it's not like I've been at the hospital with families and a beautiful baby girl is born and they came out and I said, what's your baby's name? Jacobin. <laughs> it's just not a modern name. Maybe we'll get something started. Anyway, Jacobed, it doesn't even sound like a woman's name, does it? Sounds like a man's name, Jacobed. I don't know why I even remember that name, except for it's just kind of funny to me. Why it's funny, you can decipher that later. But I don't know, Jacobed. Jacobed was Moses' mother. And at the time that she was pregnant, the Pharaoh, he was getting more and more worried about all these babies being born and more and more, even, even though he had them in slavery, he was afraid of that. You know, they'd get so many people, they would overthrow the government of Egypt. And so he, he came up with a plan and he said, all right, here's what's going to happen. Go out and get all the midwives and get them together and let me talk to them. I don't know that he talked to them personally, but let's just use our imagination. He said, all right, you midwives, from now on, when the babies are born, if it's a male, I want you to kill it. I want it to die right then and there. What a horrible, horrible thing. Kind of sounds like America. We're killing a lot of babies. God's not happy with that. Well, Jochebed was pregnant, and she wasn't happy about this, as none of the Israelite mothers were. They were not happy about that at all, but they had Egyptian soldiers everywhere, and they would hear the babies crying, and if the midwives wouldn't kill them, which they didn't kill them, the soldiers would go in and get the male babies, and they would kill them. So Moses was born to Jochebed, and Jochebed looked at Moses, and I think it was more than just looking at him and seeing something special. I believe the Spirit of God came upon her, came upon Moses, and in her spirit man, in her spirit heart, she knew this was a special child. This is a child that God wants alive. This is a child that's going to do something great. And so she decided to put her own life at risk, and I think any real mom would do the same thing for their child if the child was going to die. She put her own life at risk, and she hid that little baby. Now, I don't know if any of you have actually, there's probably a lot of people here you've never had a child, and that's okay. But babies make a lot of noise. They like to cry. And the more they cry, the louder they get. Every day, the volume goes up on how loud they can cry. And so Moses was no different. As a matter of fact, Jesus was no different. You know, the song is wrong when it says, no crying here. Well, whatever the song, it says, no crying he made. He probably cried just like every other baby. And so did Moses. And so the time went by. Day after day, she had Moses. She was feeding Moses. And he go bigger and bigger and bigger. And after about three months, he was so loud, she knew that one day, if she didn't do something, the soldiers were going to come by about the time that Moses just let it out, crying loudly, and he would be killed. So what did she do? She put together a plan. She made a little basket, and she pitched it so it would float. And she put it in the Nile River with all those crocodiles, thinking at least my baby's going to be used for something, for food for the crocodiles. No, that's not what she had in mind. 
I heard it told one time that she was she put him in the river so he'd float down the river and, and hoping the crocodiles were not going to get a hold of him. But that's not what she had in her mind at all. She already knew that Pharaoh's daughter came down to that river just about every day to bathe in the river. And people came with her. And there were reeds growing out in the water. And so she had the baby in a little basket, took him down to the river, her and and Moses' older sister Miriam, and put him in the water among the reeds so he wouldn't float away. And so it was about the place that Pharaoh's daughter was, and Pharaoh's daughter came down to the water, and she's there getting ready to bathe, and all of her servants with her, and all of a sudden an angel of the... Now, this isn't scriptural. This is my own imagination. An angel of the Lord went out to that basket and just pinched Moses right on the rear. And what do babies do when you pinch them on the... Don't tell me you ain't ever just... Now, you, you never pinched a baby on the rear, I'm sure. I hope not. You might get arrested for something like that today. But that angel must have just... And again, this ain't scriptural. This is my own crazy imagination. At just the right time, that angel pinched little Moses, and it hurt. Oh, it hurt. And he had built up his lungs so strong, he just cried out, Wah! Whew, that's pretty good, wasn't it? And all of a sudden, Pharaoh's daughter heard that baby crying and looked out there, and there's that basket. And she said, go out there and get that basket and bring that baby to me. And she pulled him out of the basket, and he's just giving her that beautiful little sad face. And she's looking at him, and she's thinking, wow, what a beautiful little baby. I said, this one's not going to die. I'm going to raise this baby. But I need somebody to nurse this child for a while because that's what they, you know, that's what they did. And... So Miriam just happened to be nearby and heard everything that was going on. And she said, uh, excuse me. <laughs> and Pharaoh's daughter looked over here and said, what do you want to say? And she said, I'll be glad to go get one of the Hebrew, Hebrew wives to come and nurse that child and take care of that child for you. And she said, wonderful, wonderful. Go and get me one of the Hebrew mothers to come and nurse this baby. And guess who she went and got? It doesn't get any better than this. You see, remember, this didn't just happen. This was all God's plan to make this happen. And so, and so Jochebed is standing probably not too far away, and she's saying, I heard that, and here I am. And she went down and got that little baby, and I don't doubt for a moment that all the way back to her little tent, she's saying, praise God, praise God. Lord, you put this together. You planned this out. And now I have my baby. He's not going to die. I'm going to raise him for a little while. I'm going to feed him. I'm going to take care of him. And, and he is going to be blessed. You know what? God will work out your difficulties. If we put them in God's hands, if we've got strong desire, listen, folks, don't, don't fall into the trap of the world today where so many people are living and they don't have nothing to live for. They don't have any desire. They don't have any passion for anything. They're just going through the motions of life day after day. And I know it gets to be a drudgery sometimes. I get bored with life sometimes. I'm going to tell you something. We, we need to understand that, that there's a purpose. There's a plan. And if you get right in the middle of that plan, I want to tell you something. It can be exciting. It can be fulfilling. It can be wonderful. And in the midst of all you're doing, yeah, you've got to make a living. But making a living can become wonderful when you're living it for God. And God's opened up 
opening up, opening up opportunities on your job to be a blessing to people, to talk to people, to be a witness to people. And when you face difficulties, you know what? Problems can be a blessing when we put them in the hands of God and God works them out and we're saying, wow. I tried to work that out, and I couldn't get anything to happen, and I put it in God's hands, and he had a plan so much better than mine. I imagine that's what Jochebed thought about for the rest of her life. Moses was one who did great things for God. But all great men and women have others in the background who are also great in the eyes of God. Every one of them. They had somebody that was an influence to them. They had somebody that was a support to them. They had somebody that was training them. They had somebody taking care of all the logistics for them. Every person that we look at who is a great man or woman or God, of God, they didn't get there by themselves. I like that saying, if you ever see a turtle on a fence post, you know he didn't get there by himself. He'll probably want you to come over and get him down, but you know he didn't get, get there by himself. Every one of us, let me put it like this. When we say a great man or woman of God, we all have a picture of this great person standing high and lifted up. But you know what? You are a great woman or man of God. And we all need each other. God's given this church a great, a great purpose to, to know Christ and to make him known. And that's not happening unless we all work together. It is happening. It's happening in many ways. We're getting to know Christ. We're making him known. And it's because we're all working together and, and helping to build others up, and we're being built up by others. Well, flash forward for 40 years or so. Moses was raised for 40 years in the house of Pharaoh. He had the best education. He had the best, the best food. He had the best of everything. More than most people had. Somehow, he knew he was a Hebrew. Somehow, he knew that those people out there doing all that hard work was his people. So, he went out there one day, probably all alone, went out there together or one day, I'm assuming, maybe dressed up and disguised himself, I don't know. But he went out to where they were, and when he got out around where they were, there was an Egyptian just whipping up on this Israelite. The Israelite didn't have a chance in the fight, and this Egyptian was just whipping him up and beating him up. And Moses, he said, hey, this is my people. And he jumped in there and killed the Egyptian. I'm not saying that's right. That's just what he did. And he went back to the palace. The next day, he went back to see the people a little bit more. And then he saw two Israelites, two Hebrew people fighting each other. And he jumped in the middle of that fight. And he said, listen, y'all are brothers. Why are you fighting each other? And one of them looked at him and, and knew who he was. And he said, what are you going to do? Kill me like you killed that Egyptian yesterday? Whoa, Moses thought. I didn't think anybody knew about that. I am in big trouble. So what did he do? He went and packed up what he could pack up, and he headed out of town. He headed out of the country, and he went over to another country because he figured if he hung around, it was all going to be uh, publicized what he had done, and he'd probably get the death penalty. So he went and hid out. I believe it was in Midian where he went. While he was living there, he got a wife. He had two sons, and he was a shepherd, and he was happy. You know what? I think Moses was happy. I never liked that palace. I didn't like the food. I didn't like being the big dog. I didn't like living under all that 
Pharaoh junk and all of that fancy stuff and all. Man, I am out here in Midian, and I'm free from all that, and I'm happy. I got a wife. I got children. I got a good father-in-law. I got this great, beautiful place. You know, it's probably like New Mexico, just one of the greatest places in the world to live. And uh, it's just, well, you know, there ain't nothing to eat out there, so it's probably more... You know, those sheep couldn't have lived out there. Anywhere, wherever it was, it was a great place. Moses was happy, 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 happy. You know, it's easy to make a move when you're unhappy. But have you ever been happy and God wanted you to do something different? I'm not saying he's wanting anybody to move here. Let me just give you a word right here. God doesn't want anybody to leave Dallas, Georgia. That attends this church. <laughs> so, if, yeah, there you go. Let's just leave it at that. I'm not saying that's a word from the Lord, but it's a word from the pastor. <laughs> I didn't put that part in my notes. So, let me see if I can get out of that. So, he is happy, 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 happy. And one day he's out there with the sheep. You know, he needed a little time away from father in law and wife and children. And he's out there just having a great time feeding those sheep, looking at the stars at the night. Breathing the fresh air, and all of a sudden a bush catches on fire. Now, I don't know, but I've read that it wasn't unusual for bushes to catch on fire out there. I don't know why, but they just catch on fire and burn up. Anyway, if that's true or not, I don't know. But all of a sudden a bush was on fire, and it just kept on burning and burning and burning, and it got Moses' attention, and so he went over there to the bush and got close to it to see what was going on, and all of a sudden he heard a voice coming out of that bush. Now, I don't know about you. But even if I'd had sandals on, I'd have been, I'd have been running. <laughs> and the voice spoke to him, and I'm not going to tell you all. Well, the first thing it said was what? Take off your shoes because you are on holy ground. Now, that doesn't mean when you walk in the back door on Sunday, you've got to take your shoes off and leave them. That was for Moses. And he took his shoes off, and God began to talk to him out of that burning bush and tell him a few things and changed up his life. And Moses talked back to him. He said, Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt. And I would imagine Moses, oh, no, I can't go back there for one thing. It's gonna, they're going to kill me because I killed that Egyptian. Surely you don't want me to go there. I'm sure he was thinking that if he didn't say it. And then God began to tell him, I want you to go back to Egypt, and you're going to lead my people out of slavery. You're going to lead them out of Egypt. You're going to lead them away from where they're living, and I'm going to set them free, and you're going to be the one that I use to do that. Has God ever given you a job that you thought you were not able to do? Absolutely. And if he hasn't, let him do that. Because it's an incredible thing when God wants you to do something, and you're thinking, man, I just can't do that. And that's what Moses said. Now, pretend that's the burning bush, and God is speaking out of it. And Moses says, God, I can't do that. I don't talk well. I don't speak very well in front of people. And you know what? I wish I wrote this down. I may have, but I'm not going to look at it now. But there is a scripture that says that Moses was eloquent in speech. I believe that was part of his training in Egypt. I read it, so I know it's there. And he's telling God, I don't speak well. You know, maybe being out there in the desert all that time without a bunch of people, he lost his ability to speak. But anyway, finally, God told him, this is what you're going to do. And Moses said, okay. And he headed back to Egypt. Listen, this story has so much stuff in it, there's no time to cover it all. But he goes back to Egypt, 
and he goes to his people, the Hebrew people, and he tells them what's going on. And somewhat they accepted that. But the main thing was then God led him and Aaron to go up before Pharaoh and say, Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, ha, ha. <laughs> so God had a plan. Let's go through this plan real quick. God said, I got a plan, and I'm going to show the people of Egypt. And if you read this story carefully, you'll find there was another great goal that God had, not just to set the people of Israel free out of Egypt and out of slavery. God wanted the people of Egypt to know that he was God. You'll read that several times. Even when the Pharaoh and all the armies were drowned in the sea, it says that God did that so all the other Egyptian people that were left behind would know that he was the one true God. God's got a plan because he loves people. So God's plan was incredible. And he had to bring great plagues through Moses on this nation. He had the water turn to blood. He had an enormous amount of frogs show up one day. He had lice and flies and a livestock pestilence. The people got boils all over their body. There was a hailstorm that was humongous and destroyed all the crops. There were locusts and darkness. All of these plagues worked together to try to get the people to see that there was a God in heaven. Some people are hard-headed, and they just don't get it, and it takes a little more for them. The Pharaoh just said, no way, you're not leaving this place. We're not going to let you go. He was so full of pride. It was more than just losing all these slave workers. It was, I'm in charge, and I'm not going to do what you want me to do. Basically, he was saying to God, God, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. Now, sometimes we get mistakenly caught up in where it says, God hardened his heart. I don't believe for a moment that God did not love Pharaoh. I believe Pharaoh had a freedom of choice. I believe when God saw that Pharaoh had made the wrong choice, he put it in his heart to fight against the Israelites. But I don't believe that Pharaoh could not have submitted himself and his life to God if he would have chosen to. I believe the Bible supports that completely and totally. Well, there was one more last plague. And I'm telling you, this is the this is the best and worst plague of all time. And that plague was that the firstborn of every household, even the firstborn of all the animals, were going to die. God was going to send somewhat a death angel through that land, and all the firstborn were going to die. And God told them that. And they didn't believe it. But he did something special something incredibly special for his own children. And I'm going to tell you something. If th This is worth the whole sermon being about, a whole series for a month, a whole series for a year. Matter of fact, this is what Christianity is all about, that last plague. And that last plague was the firstborn was going to die. But God came to the people of Israel, the Hebrew people, and he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to have the first Passover. And he gave them all the details about the meal and, and what they were not supposed to, you know, no bread should have leaven in it and all of this stuff. And I don't want to get into all that detail of that right now. But he said, when you slaughter the lamb, 
I want you to take the blood and put it over the doorpost. Put the blood over the doorpost. Friend, do you have the blood over your doorpost? The doorpost of your heart. And he said, when the angel, when the death angel comes through and all the firstborn are going to be killed, what does it say? When I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Somebody ought to write a song about that. And all the older folks like me said, oh, there's one. Should we sing it? <clears throat> when I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. One more time, but y'all that know it, sing it a little louder. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. Y'all sound beautiful. Yeah, give them all a hand. Praise God. When I see the blood, God said, I will pass over you. Kind of reminds me of the story of Jericho. When the former prostitute helped the spies get out, and the spies told her, Rahab, is that right? Said, if you'll put this scarlet robe over your house, when we come in and attack this city, Everybody in that house is going to be saved. And it kind of reminds me of Jesus hanging on that cross and the blood of Jesus just flowing. And the Bible says, by his blood, we are cleansed of all of our sins. We don't have to get in a house to be protected. We're in the house and the family of God. The blood is no longer on the doorpost. The blood is on us and has cleansed us and washed us and purified us. And we are cleansed in the eyes of God. You say, well, pastor, I don't feel too clean today. I've done some things. Listen, you go to Jesus and confess those sins to Christ, and the blood stays. He doesn't kick you out every time you mess up. Just understand, put your faith in Christ and what he's done. And forsake sin and turn from sin. And with God's help, don't do those things God doesn't want you to do. But the truth is, when we fail, we're covered with the blood of Christ. Now, if you keep on pursuing sin and you keep on living for the devil and living for your flesh, eventually you're going to run out from under that blood. I know that's a theological statement, but you will be lost again if you keep running. God's not kicking you out. God's not going to try to get you out because you messed up. He just wants you to stay under his wonderful dome of grace. But if you keep on pursuing sin and living for sin, you're going to run away from God. You're running away from God. God's not running away from you. Stay under the blood. It doesn't get any better than that. So finally, after all the firstborn had died, except for those that were behind the protection of the blood, Pharaoh let them go. And he also, God in his plan, not only wanted them out, but he wanted them out blessed. So here's what happened. 
Exodus 12 and 35, and the people of Israel did as Moses had instructed. They asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of silver and gold. The Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites, the Egyptian people, that is, to look favorably on the Israelites, and they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. So they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and say that God wants you to be wealthy and a millionaire and all that, but I'll tell you without any hesitation at all, God wants you to be financially stable. God wants you to be financially blessed. God don't want you, to, he doesn't want you to have to worry about your finances and your money. Some may have more than others, and that's okay, but I believe God has given us wisdom and a plan. Now, some say, well, praise God, I'm going to be filled, I'm just going to be financially good off the rest of my life. No, there's your part in that. You got to have the wisdom of God and how you handle the money that God blesses you with. You got to live within your means and you can have peace. You know, you can, you can have a small salary and have financial peace. A lot of people have millions of dollars and they don't have any financial peace whatsoever. They go out and blow it all and lose it all and because they don't, they don't have any wisdom. So God will help us. And if you're sitting there thinking, Pastor, I, 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 you must know what's going on. Listen, we've all made some bad decisions financially. We all have. I mean, I, I traded a beautiful 1978 Bonneville, black on black, low miles, for a Chevette. <laughs> I'm glad y'all got a blessing out of that. I traded a heavy Chevy Chevelle for a Pinto. Please let me continue to be your pastor because I have learned. Okay, so what I'm trying to say by that, we all make mistakes. We all buy things we don't need. We all spend more money probably than we should at times, but God will help us. I believe if God sees in our heart that we're trusting him for our life on this earth and our finances and that we're willing to work hard when God helps us to find a job and that we're willing to work because the Bible says if somebody won't work, they shouldn't eat. And that's talking about people that are able to work. I know there's people that aren't. And I don't even know why this is being put in this message today because it's not in my notes, but it's something to learn. God blessed these people. They had worked hard for all of their life, and God wanted to bless them. He didn't want to make them lazy. He didn't want to make them uh, love the things of this earth. He just wanted to bless them that as they went out into this wilderness that they would be blessed and they would have what, we, what they needed. Something that's very interesting in that, it says that they, they were given clothing and gold and silver. Now, my first thought was, well, most of us think, wow, they're going to have all that gold and all that silver. You know what? There were no stores out in the wilderness. But God gave them clothing, and he fed them when they needed food. God took care of them. And then we come down to that great moment, and we're skipping a whole lot of things that happened. But I love what happened at the Red Sea, and I'm going to read a little bit more about it some of what I've already read from Exodus 14 and 1. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Order the Israelites to turn back and camp at Pihahiroth between Migdal and the sea. Camp there along the shore across Baal Zivon. The Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after you. I have planned this in order to display. Remember this. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, 
Now, God knew that Pharaoh and his armies were going to die. But he said, after this, the Egyptians, the ones that are left behind, that are going to have to start over from nothing, all of a sudden they're going to have no leaders, they're going to have no army, just the regular people of Egypt are going to have to start over from nothing. And God knows that, but here's what God's trying to do. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. When the word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their mind. What have we done? Letting all those Israelite slaves get away, they asked. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots, along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. Man, they were getting out of there. We're leaving. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, his charioteers and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore near Pihiroth across from Baal-zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. We've got to stop there for a moment, don't we? Because sometimes it doesn't look like things are getting any better. Sometimes it looks like finally something good's going to happen, and then all of a sudden, wham, we're defeated again. We get good news from the doctor and then get the bad news. The good news again and then the bad news, or whatever it might be in your life. Understand that sometimes, most of the time, things are not what they appear to be. That's a great lesson for life. Things are not always as they appear. I want you to put that in your mind. Things are not always as they appear. You can apply that to so many areas of your life, your relationships with others. You think somebody's mad at you, and you're just sure they're mad at you. And you know what? Remember, things are not always as they appear. They may be mad at you, but they may not be mad at you. Maybe you think somebody doesn't like you. They don't speak to me. Things are not always as they appear. Just keep that in mind. Well, the people of Egypt, excuse me, the people of Israel, they looked back and saw the armies overtaking them, and they were beginning to think, we are about to die. If they'd have had faith in God like Moses did, they would have looked back and saw those armies, and they would have said, well, God's going to deliver us. We're sure he's going to take care of this, and we really don't need to be afraid. It doesn't matter that all the armies of Egypt are coming after us. We really don't have to be afraid because our lives are in the hands of God. And that's a great place for all of us to be. But the Hebrew people cried out to the Lord. But you know what? They didn't cry out to the Lord very long because they had somebody else they wanted to cry out against. And they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? You know what? There's some things in our lives that are hard to leave behind. But if you're going to be a child of God, let them go. Let them go. It might be sin. It might be just things that weigh you down and hinder your walk with God. But there's things you just need to let go, give them up. And so many times they, they wanted to go back to Egypt. 
because they had enough food. They, can you imagine how, what slavery was in Egypt? The slavery was hard. They were having to make, they were having to make brick. And then the Pharaoh made them, he said, hey, listen, you're, you're not just going to be making brick. You're going to have to get all the stuff, all the materials. They were being provided the materials, but now you're going to have to get all the materials. And it was hard. They worked from early to late. They didn't get enough sleep. They didn't get enough food. They didn't get enough rest. They didn't get to go to the movies. They didn't get to have family time. They didn't have any games on their television to play. All it was was get up in the morning and go work all day and come home. What a horrible, horrible life of slavery they were in. And here they are saying, we, we want to go back. We would have been happier there than, than this. What should have they said? God, you're in control. We don't want to go back. Remember, they were waving their fist in the face of the Egyptians when they left. We're getting out of here. Now they're wanting to go back. Whew, God is so merciful and so patient. Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves in the Egypt, to the Egyptians. It's better to be slaves in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. I'm telling you, we're dealing with a world of people out there that don't know the Lord, and they just want to stay right there where they are. They don't want Jesus. They don't want to be delivered from their misery and their pain. They want to live in it. They want to soak in it. They want to enjoy it. And even though much of it is bringing, all of the sin they're in is bringing pain into their life, they want to stay right there in the middle of it. It's hard to win people to Christ these days. But we got to keep on trying. So Moses, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And I'm no Moses, but let me tell you something. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I know we all get afraid sometimes. I know life is hard and difficult, but when we put our hands and trust in God, we put our life in His hands, we put our life in, in what He has said to us, we take a hold of the promises of God, we can face any situation. I don't care how hard it might be. I don't care if it's a death sentence from the doctor. I don't care if it's a, a pink slip on your job. I don't care what it might be. If we'll put our trust and faith in God, He will take us through and He will bring us out and we will be more than conquerors through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Isn't that a great time when you've been fighting a problem for a long time and God says, all right, that problem you've been dealing with, you're dealing with it today, you're never going to deal with it again. Hallelujah. Okay, I should have made this into a series. Exodus 14 and 14. The Lord, this is what Moses said to them. He said he had a bumper sticker. Moses did. And it said, Stay calm. Isn't that like a big saying these days on something? It's like everything, be calm. Be calm. Calm down. You know why that's all, all over the place? Because there's not very many calm people in the world. People are stressed out, frustrated, aggravated, fearful. And Moses was the one that started this. He said, the Lord himself will fight for you. The Lord himself. Well, I thought he was way off up in heaven. No, he's right here. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. The Lord said to Moses, stop praying. <laughs> God didn't say that very often. He's saying, why are you talking to me? 
It's time you prayed, you prayed, you're trusting. It's time to get moving. So the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots, and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Then the angel of God who had been leading the people of Israel moved to the rear of the camp, the pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. God was with them through this entire ordeal. Even though they, they were complaining, even though they were rebellious, God was right there with them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and the Israel, Israelite camp. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. Now understand, the strong east wind did not part the waters. God parted the waters and decided they needed a little air conditioning. Because I've read stories, you know, how that could have happened, how this strong wind, you know, from all the people out there on the Discovery Channel and all that, how the strong wind could have come through and parted the waters, trying to say that it really wasn't God, but it was the wind. No, God parted the waters and provided them with a little comforting wind. And so, so the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, see, they went across at night, but there was a fire providing light for them. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. Remember, Moses had told them, God will fight for you and God threw their forces into total confusion he twisted the chariot wheels you know it's hard to make that chariot move when God has twisted the chariot wheels making their chariots difficult to drive let's get out of here away from these Israelites the Egyptians shouted the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt remember what God had said that all Egypt, Egypt will know, the ones that's dying and the ones that's left behind, they're going to all know that I am God. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh, of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea. Not a single one survived. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. That is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled 
with all before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. God brought them through. And he'll bring any nation on the face of the earth through as long as God is their Lord. He will take care of them. He will take care of them. He will take care of Israel. And he will take care of America. And he will take care of every other country on the face of this earth that will make him the Lord. But we can see clearly all over the world that people are fighting against God in every nation. And one of these days, God's going to come. And we're going to see him. Actually, we're going to see him and we're going to come back with him for that one final great war. You need a miracle from God. You need to be set free. You need your enemies defeated. Here's what you need to do. Communicate with God all the time. Because God speaks. God has spoken and he speaks. Live in obedience to God at all times. Trust God at all times. And have a heart that's ready to glorify God. He is worthy. Would you stand with me? And I want you to imagine just for a moment that you are standing on the other side of the Red Sea with the Israelites and all of your enemies. Not, you know, we're we're living in a different time. We don't want people to die. But I can guarantee you these were people that hated the Israelites. These were people that hated God. These were people that God knew would never turn to him. And in our case, we need to understand that God defeated the enemy. God defeated the one that was trying to destroy them. And there's an enemy that's trying to destroy our faith in Almighty God. And I want you to imagine with me that you're standing with those Hebrew people on the shore of the Red Sea and your enemy that has been trying to kill you, that has kept you in slavery for all of this time, that he has been defeated and God has promised that you would see him no more. I want you to rejoice right now with the Hebrews and let's rejoice all together and give God praise. Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. If you read on, you'll find that Miriam, they all celebrated and sang, the horse and the rider has been thrown into the sea. And she was playing her tambourine all over the camp. And I was looking for mine this morning, but somebody said there was a fire. And that's what happened to it. I'm telling you, I'm playing a tambourine in my heart. The horse and the rider is thrown into the sea. My enemy is defeated. The devil is defeated. My human carnal flesh is defeated. My problems are defeated. My enemy is going to be defeated every day of my life. And one of these days, the battle is going to be completely over. And I'm going to walk right into the presence of God and be with him forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. I think we ought to praise God one more time. God, we give you praise and glory.